And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tuesday. And there's a lot happening. Uh, this is going to be a busy week. Not today, though. I mean, we got stuff to talk about today. But uh, the rest of the week... The rest of the week is going to be... Uh, Fun-filled thrill ride. We'll get into that in a minute here. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. The dot-com is still down. Working on it. Uh, I have plans to, uh, to have discussions with the IT department tomorrow and the hosting company tomorrow and... And that stuff. So, all of that's going on. Give a shout out to everybody who's listening to this as a podcast. We've got people in Mexico, South Korea, Germany, Canada, the UK, good old United States of America. Uh, I tell you, it's just something. And and do join, do join us over on Discord, the Discord server. That link is in the notes. Uh, for any of you who want to join the conversations there, because there are some there are some interesting conversations taking place over there. So uh, so check that out. Uh, I see Dave and, and Jr. in the chat. Good to see you both. <coughs> and I know there's some other people in there. I know there's some other people watching. Feel free to jump in the live chat. That's why it's there. If you're here not live, if you're here via Memorex, you can leave a comment. Uh, and as always, anybody can send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom and uh, let us know your thoughts. Send send me <coughs> excuse me send me suggestions for topics, uh, guests that we can invite. And uh, let me go ahead and mention tomorrow on the program, Paul DeGarabedian will be here uh, to talk about Shazam. And uh, we'll probably touch on a little bit with the uh, Victoria Alonso shakeup over at Marvel. And we're going to get into that in detail on Thursday. Cameron Pasha will be a guest. And we're going to talk about everything going on at Disney. If you are not uh, uh, following Cameron over on Patreon, there's a lot that dropped yesterday. Not just Victoria Alonso. Um, being fired from Disney on Friday with the media being silent about it, but also uh, various different things going on behind the scenes. Panic at the disco, ladies and gentlemen, and it is uh, it is fun to watch because some people are getting their comeuppance a little bit, maybe. Might be too soon to tell, but Cameron's got some interesting things. We're going to drop that on Thursday. He has already reported on some things on his Patreon account. We're going to get into that in depth on Thursday. And then, of course, we got Ranker Pit Thursday night. So lots, lots of discussion about what's going to happen. <coughs> uh, and he's, he's saying, 
you know, all you black-pilled people out there, there is still hope. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll get into that on Thursday. But anyway, all right, what I wanted to talk about today, because uh, it's it's kind of... It... This is this is this is where I run into small points of contention with myself because I've talked on the, on on the show before about this this line that we have to skate in terms of you know our wheelhouse our our bailiwick is science fiction fantasy horror that's that's what we concentrate on. And on occasion, we will kind of skew sideways into other aspects of the entertainment business and and stuff in general, <clears throat> not just so much not not politics so much, but business and and economy stuff stuff that has an impact on the things that we enjoy, the things that we consume as a product. And I want to get into that a little bit today because there is going to be a lot of this, and. Depending on what media you are uh, paying attention to, you might or might not be aware of a lot of this stuff that's been going on. Now, some of us here in the YouTube space, in the new media space, we're, we're watching a bunch of stuff happening that's not getting widespread reportage in the, tra- in, you know, in the regular media. A lot of it has to do with the fact that, that, that a good part of this is esoteric uh, you know if you're not part of the business you're not aware of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes the disney stuff being an example of that but the the economy everybody has everybody gets impacted by the economy and your ability to go to the movies your decision to go to the movies or not, or go out to eat or not, or buy that new outfit or not, or get that new DVD or not. All, all of these decisions on how you spend your discretionary income, assuming you still have some, that's affected by the performance of the economy, the health of the economy, your perceived uh, notion of what the what the health of the economy is, and I know the people in the current asterisk administration don't want to acknowledge that we're in a recession, but we're in a recession, and it's having an impact across all entertainment and technology sectors, in addition to every place else. But this kind of has a direct impact on the kind of things that we talk about here, and so I want to get into it a little bit. It's not just Victoria Alonso getting fired; it's a lot of people getting fired. For various reasons, but mainly it's it's because people are starting to realize, one, get woke, go broke. Two, the economy being the way it is in, in the last three years where we've had the pandemic and lockdowns and all of this stuff. Everybody's doing everything online and now everything opens back up and suddenly we don't need all of you people anymore. <clears throat> Plus the fact that you've got an economy where people have now been conditioned to not want to work. And so therefore are staying at home and not even looking for a job. And so, you know, hey, our our unemployment numbers are better. Well, yeah, because people have stopped looking for work. It's not because people are employed. It's because they've just quit. They've given up. 
And all of that has an impact. And now, in addition to all of that, you know, people are, people are not buying things. Because if you don't have a job, you don't have money to spend. And if you're not spending money, then all of these companies are going to be getting rid of employees. Here's the latest. Amazon laying off another 9,000 employees, and that's going to include cuts at Twitch. And the CEO of Twitch, Emmett Shear, resigned. This was March 16th. These, this, th- I mean, this is right back to back. March 16th, the CEO resigns. March 20th, Amazon lays off 9,000 employees, including at Twitch. Do you think maybe, possibly, Mr. Shear knew what was coming? Maybe. Time to get out before... Before things happen, kind of like uh, kind of like what happened with the with the executive over at Silicon Valley Bank. I'm just saying, and you know, and that has an impact as well, because if the banks are compromised, how much money, how much of your money are you going to have access to that you're going to be able to spend? You're you're going to want to hold on to that, so you're not going to go to the movies, you're not going to go out to eat. You're not going to go to the theme parks. This is a this is a compounded problem, and it just keeps getting worse. Now, this this uh, Forbes article talks about the personal impact of of the layoffs, and it does have this whole thing about you know what's going on with the tech industry and 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 everything else. But it does kind of lay out what happened. You've got pandemic stimulus relief money and the capital stuff, and then Silicon Valley Bank implodes. Here's Wall Street Journal. The company's conducting layoffs in 2023. They've compiled a list. And, of course, it's behind a paywall. But there are a lot of them. Here's Amazon. This is another article about Amazon laying up 9,000. But if I go down all the way down here to the bottom, is it this one? No, where is it? There's a... I think it's maybe at the bottom of this Forbes article. Where is it? No, I saw it. Where is it? It's a list. Oh, here it is. Here it is. It's the end of this Variety article. Recent major media and tech layoff announcements. Now, this is three pages long. This is a three-page list. Amazon, with these 9,000, is just the latest one. Also, Meta laying off another 10,000. SiriusXM laying off 475 people, uh, which is 8% of their workforce, according to Variety. That's not insignificant. CNET, 50% of their workforce. Showtime laying off 120. And remember... Showtime's getting folded into Paramount Plus. So a lot of these mergers and acquisitions, we're going to deal with eliminating duplicate jobs. News Corp laying off 1,250. Yahoo laying off 20%. Disney, here's 7,000 for Disney, but we also have, they're getting ready to lay off another 4,000. And where these jobs are coming from, HR, diversity, those are the main ones. 
But also some of these things, we talked about this last night. We talked about this on, on Sunday night. A lot of these job cuts are in sales and marketing as well. Because what are you going to sell if nobody's buying? And that kind of, to me, is a mistake. If you're going to, <clears throat> if you're going to have to deal with cutting costs, one place where you should not cut very much is marketing. And here's why. Uh, and I have always thought this. You know, I've I've been in media for 34 years. A lot of that has been in advertising and marketing. And I, yes, have a, a bias, but at the same time, marketing is the tool that you use in order to get people to buy your product or your service. And if you decide to cut down on your marketing budget, then you don't have as good a way of, of promoting your product and expanding your 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 clientele or your or your customer base <clears throat> and that's the bread and butter of making sure that your company survives if i'm a plumber for example and i mean just a regular plumber not a keep the planet safe plumber but if i'm a plumber and work is slow then i want to go out and if i'm if i'm going to hustle i've got to get Get the word out that I'm a plumber and I'm good at what I do. And you, if you have a plumbing problem, you need to hire me to do the, do the work. And that's marketing. That's promotion. That's advertising. And yes, there's an expense on that. However, there are ways that you can do some of that for very little money expense. You know, you can print your own flyers. You can make your own business cards. You can... Go, you know, go to a trade show, hand out your business cards and, and, and that sort of thing. There are ways that you can do it, you know, run a special. But advertising and marketing always takes a hit when it shouldn't. Because if I want more customers, if I would, like here, if I want more subscribers to our YouTube channel, to our Odyssey channel, to our Twitch channel, to our Rumble channel, I don't want to stop telling people about our YouTube and Odyssey and Rumble and Twitch channels. I want to I want to say more about all of that, especially given that the dot com is borked. I want to make sure that people know where to find us. That's one of the reasons why every time I come on and talk today in, in this show, I always mention the podcasts. I always mention the Discord. I always mention the social media stuff because I want I want the audience to grow. And some of that is I'm depending on you as viewers, especially the regulars, the people who enjoy what we do, who appreciate what we do. It's part of the marketing to have good word of mouth. And if I give you a reason to tell other people about what we do here, I win, and that's free. <clears throat> I also want to be able to incentivize various different things as far as, you know, paying for promotion or, you know, getting getting the staff here to share links and tell people about the stuff that we're doing. You know, there are various different ways of promoting your work without spending a lot of money. 
Did Mindy floof my hair? Did my does my hair look floofy? It kind of does, doesn't it? Let me. You know, make me self conscious about that. But stop. I don't know. It, it is kind of it is kind of floofy today, isn't it? It's the weather. It's raining outside. I didn't realize it. Well, the headphones don't don't help. But you've got all of these companies that are laying off employees left and right in job lots in 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 just droves because the economy is in the tank. Inflation is as is at a forty year high, and what are we going to do with a bunch of people that don't do any work? You know, here's here's an article on Meta laying off another 10,000 employees. This is on top of the people that they've already fired. And ESPN, which is a division of Disney, headed for layoffs. No sacred cows, according to these articles. Talking about, you know, anybody is is vulnerable. There are there are no safe jobs. And as we've seen now with the ouster of Victoria Alonso, that includes people at the highest levels of the C-suites because Victoria Alonso was very, very highly placed at Marvel Studios. And according to reports, was one of the biggest problems with Marvel Studios in that being in charge of all the production and all the post-production, she was the one that was making things very difficult for the visual effects houses and whatever that situation was, you have a lot of special effects companies sitting there going, we don't want to work for Marvel anymore. Which may explain a little bit as to why Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania had some dodgy CGI. <laughs> right, Stop! So what a surprise. Put out crap product, make less money, fire people. You know, it's almost like you can... I wonder if maybe somebody could put together, I don't know, a class or a workshop or something that maybe kind of explains uh, the idea of, of supply and, what's the other word, um, demand and how customer service might have it, it there might be some there might be something to that that might be an idea worth pursuing is if somebody wants to put something like that together so people could learn if you have a product or a service and you want people to buy your product or service then one it has to satisfy a need and it should be a need, not necessarily a want. Because a want, yes, it's, it's, it's discretionary income. I want one of these things. I don't have to have it. It's not a necessity. But if I've got something in my, in, in my products and services that fits a need, that fills a need, solves a problem, then it has to be good. It has to be good quality, good craftsmanship, good execution, and... You need to be willing to stand behind that product. Integrity counts for something for some people. And if I sit there and say, okay, I'm going to sell you a widget, 
And this widget is going to last for 25 years. And if it only lasts 25 days, I need to be able to make that good. Instead of, well, you're a fill-in-the-blank, istophobe, bigot, name-calling. How dare you question and criticize my, my product? Which is what a lot of these companies have been doing for the last six, seven years. Well, how dare you not like what we do? Well, okay, we'll take our money elsewhere. We'll take our business elsewhere. We won't go to your park. We won't see your movie. We won't watch your TV show. We won't subscribe to your streaming service. And the streaming services have have done a little bit of their own damage to this to this entertainment ecosystem because nobody's as far as I know, it doesn't seem like these are money makers. It was it was a pivot in the middle of a pandemic, and we knew streaming was coming because Netflix was doing it, and there had been. Do you remember this little thing called Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome? This was a web series that the Sci-Fi Channel put together as a spin-off, an ancillary product, an ancillary program connected to Battlestar Galactica back in the day. And this is back when transmedia was the magic word. Everybody was talking about how you could get into all of this stuff. Where you could have the TV show, but you could also have a web series, a comic book, and an online graphic novel. All all of this stuff that all connected, which is what Disney's trying to make you do with Star Wars, but it's a lot of homework. And it didn't fly. It didn't sell. It didn't work. Now, maybe it was an idea that was kind of ahead of its time because now we've got streaming services that kind of do the same thing. You're going to make a, make a TV show. You're going to make a movie. And you're going to put it online for people to watch, whether it's streaming on your TV or if you watch it on your computer. But back then, when you had web series and transmedia, this, this was a new thing, and it hadn't taken off yet. And now you have all of these streaming services that are doing this kind of thing, but they're loss leaders. And yeah, maybe you're making a little bit of money on the subscriptions, but how much of, of that are you having to spend on the programming that you got to put on this stuff in order to keep people subscribed? And as we've seen now from both the Warner Brothers Discovery earnings call and the Disney earnings call, it's not enough. And you look at Shazam 2, and most of the reviews are like, well, it's not bad. It's not a terrible movie. It's it's okay. It's better than Ant-Man, but nobody's going to go see it. Because how many of them are sitting there saying, well, I can just watch it at home? Later. And I got to give props to Tom Cruise for for holding his ground with when it comes to Top Gun Maverick and saying it's going to stay in theaters for as long as it stays in theaters. We're not going to shortchange the theatrical run just simply so you can put it on a streaming screen. Kudos to him. And he's probably going to do that same thing with Mission Impossible. Keep it in the theater for as long as it's making money. That's how you do it. That's how you used to do it. Star Wars was in theaters for months. And I'm talking about Star Wars. The original. The first one. The OG, as they say. 
Why would you stop making money if you've got something that's making money? And, and David Zaslav's got it right when he sits there and says, why would we take something that we make and keep it on our channel where we don't monetize it and make any money off of it? We don't profit off of it. If I can sit there and make a TV series, if I look at what's going on with the new Batman animated series, it's not going to be on HBO Max anymore. It's going over to Amazon because Amazon's going to pay for it. Licensing. What, it, what is it that Yogurt said? Merchandising. Merchandising. That's how Lucasfilm became the huge juggernaut that it became. Was from the merchandising money. The toys, the action figures, the play sets, the, 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 the lunch boxes, and the, the 12-inch dolls, and the Lego kits, and, and all of this other stuff. When the company focuses on the customer, the company wins. The customer wins. Hey, I get a good product. I don't mind paying for it if it's going to be good quality. And you're not going to insult me for saying something about it. Great. We all win. I'll give you my money. <coughs> but if you're going to sit there and criticize me because I said something about your product, I don't really like this product. Well, how dare you? I'm going to take my money elsewhere, Gillette. Yeah, a good product that I want. If I, yeah, and again, that goes back to filling a need. Sometimes you don't know that you need it. That's the job of advertising, to establish a need. Hey, have you ever thought about... I've done those scripts. I've written those TV commercials where we establish a need first and say, this is a need that you have. Here's the product that solves your need. But nobody needs a streaming service. Nobody needs to watch movies at home. I mean, it's a convenience, sure. In the middle of a pandemic, it was a last resort. Oh, wow, I'm glad we can watch movies at home instead of going out in the theaters where we could kill everybody type of thing. But nobody needs a streaming service. And people are starting to realize, you know what? Economy is really bad. I don't need Disney Plus. I don't need Paramount Plus. I don't need ESPN Plus. I don't need Hulu. I, can't, I cannot tell you the last time I actually sat and just watched regular television, terrestrial television. We don't have it. We have some of the streaming services because I co we, we cover those shows here as part of what we do. But if I didn't have this outfit, I probably wouldn't have very many of those streaming services. And some of them come bundled with it. I think um, I think Paramount Plus. I think Paramount Plus is bundled in Mindy's cell phone package or something. Is how we're getting that one. So it's not something which oh okay we ordered we ordered Paramount Plus. I don't know. 
Uh, Nerd over on uh, Odyssey says, "I saw Top Gun on Paramount Plus maybe two months ago." Yeah, I, I mean it. It just it just hit streaming here not too long ago. It stayed in the theaters for a long time, and I heard. I haven't confirmed it. I need to look this up, but I had heard that Tom Cruise actually took legal action to make sure that Paramount didn't take it to streaming prematurely. Uh, over on Twitch, uh, SF Torino, hi there. Are you the only one doing this? Am I the only one doing what? I'm not sure what that question is. Um, am I the only one doing this? Streaming? No. Culture Casino is still streaming. But it's good to see you here, uh, those of you who are here in the chat. <clears throat> it's it, And it's good to see people in the chat on, on the channels other than YouTube. We need more activity over there as well. It's good. Because there needs to be more democratization of our video platforms. YouTube needs competition. Hey, Bianca fights the zombies. Good to see you over there on Odyssey. <coughs> All right, I'm going to take a break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about a little bit more of this stuff uh, with the layoffs. But also, uh, in, in the midst of all of this, where all of these people are getting fired, you also have a number of people that are getting ready to go on strike. Seems like it would be a little counterintuitive, right? Maybe? I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get back. Stand by. Our transmitters are made from hand wavium. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. I find it difficult to get excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's my natural cynicism or my, my, my pessimism. My, tempered with uh, my, uh, 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 a dash of I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm jaded at this point. Perhaps the H2O podcast only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Foreign Bodies Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker. Where we are talking about layoffs and strikes, and you know we spend a lot of time talking about people getting fired, and now we now we pivot a little bit into a little more esoteric type of stuff because this is something that people don't necessarily um, pay attention to, simply because in the entertainment business a lot of people don't understand how it all works, how it all is is put together and who does what and everything else. But there are various different unions, guilds and whatnot uh, that are uh, responsible for the production of film and television products and you know TV shows and that sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> hang on just a second here. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> had to respond to a note. 
Okay, so uh, you've got you've got various different unions: the Producers Guild, the Directors Guild, the Writers Guild, the Teamsters, the the the, the, the hair and makeup people, costumers. All of these people have unions have 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 organized uh, labor groups that are right now in the midst and getting ready uh, to have negotiations. And this is something that happened a while back uh, when we had the writer's strike early, uh, late 90s into the early 2000s. And it, was, it affected a lot of different things. A lot of movies, a lot of television shows got hit with this. And it feels like we're getting ready to have another round of those uh, kinds of things with the strikes. And back then, that was the writer's strike. Everybody heard about the writer's strike. This time, we have not just the writer's guild, but we also have the producer's guild and the director's guild and editors. There was an article here not too long ago. Here's Collider. Um, Saturday Night Live strike tentatively averted after editors reach a deal with NBC. Now this is this is recent. This is the editors. These are the people that actually cut this whole thing together getting ready to go on strike because more money, better working conditions and that sort of thing. And you have the producers guild making the same kind of noise because of profit participation, healthcare because in in this business there's not there's not a these aren't salaried positions <clears throat> if I, I mean we see this with uh, with Karen McCarthy's lawsuit against Lucasfilm and we're going to talk about that a little bit more on Thursday with with Cameron Pacha these are not nine to five jobs 40 hours a week 50 weeks a year salary benefits any kind of thing like that it's um it's one of those things where people are doing freelance work on a on a larger scale sure but they're doing freelance work i do i come into the tv show i do the job as the showrunner or the line producer or the associate producer or the assistant director or the key grip or whatever and then when the show's done, I don't have any work. I go do this movie, and once the movie is finished, my job is done, I go home, I don't have any work. And now I have to go and find more work. And the effect of this is that you, you know most of the time when you go to a job, the job includes... Healthcare benefits, or you know, insurance benefits, or four hundred one k, or retirement, any that kind of thing. You don't get that much in the in the entertainment industry because of the transitory nature of the work. So, it's one of those things where people are like, okay, well, how do we make this something where if if a producer has issues, healthcare issues, or, you know, suddenly gets a cancer diagnosis, what happens? And, you know, unemployment insurance and, and that kind of thing, they're trying to figure out ways that they can make this kind of thing a, a general, broad, let's take care of our people 
type of deal with the studios. And it's going to be a challenge, especially given the economy and the way it is now, and how things have been going for the last <clears throat> three, three years, that's going to be one of those things where if you can't provide us with what we need as producers, and producers are not very well understood, and the people that are running the Producers Guild right now make that point, is the people, even in the industry, people don't quite get where the producer's responsibilities lie. A producer has a lot of different things that they do for television and, and movie productions. And depending on the kind of producer, you have supervising producers, you have line producers, you have associate producers, you have co-producers, you have executive producers, you have co-executive producers. Some of those producer credits are vanity, vanity credits. Here's the boss's girlfriend. Give her an associate producer credit. All right. On my movie, I made a romantic comedy a few years ago. <coughs> Somebody in the cast helped me find and connect to somebody who had money who helped us make the movie. So I made this cast member an associate producer because he helped me find money for the production. So you have a lot of different types of producers, but your main producers are the people who marshal all of the resources together. The directors, the writers, the, the, the camera crew, the grips and the electric and the hair and makeup, we're responsible, the producer is responsible for getting all of that stuff together and making sure that we stay on budget and on schedule and, and, and manage the entire thing of making this product, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a, a web series or whatever, a podcast. <coughs> and... The compensation packages for producers, they're sitting there saying, well, you know, we need some kind of a way that we can do a health care benefit. Now, I have been of the opinion for a long time that businesses should not be in the business of providing health care benefits. Because... And, and I get it. It's incentives. We need to find ways that we can attract the the top talent and get our get employees and whatnot. But it can turn around and bite you, because if I'm working for a, a company and they're providing my health insurance, and then they fire me or I quit, then I don't have health insurance unless I go through Cobra, in which case I'm spending out the out the nose to keep that keep that coverage. The better option, what companies should do, if they're involved at all with healthcare insurance, is they should sit there and say, okay, we're going to negotiate with these healthcare companies on behalf of our employees, and we're going to get a couple of different packages, and we're going to pay you the money that you can then use to spend on your own health care package that you can then take with you, the whole portability thing. You can take this health care insurance with you when you leave, whether we fire you or, you've, or you quit. And that way, that insurance policy is yours, not the company's. If I'm making tires 
I should be making tires. I should not be worrying about your doctor's visits. And it and it has has been it has stuck with me for a long while that we should not be doing it this way. There's a lot of things that are messed up in the United States. Don't get me wrong. We're still the greatest country in the world, but there are some things that need improvement. And then and healthcare benefits and insurance and all that other stuff is something that is so completely messed up because the insurance companies are. So so much more involved in the process than they should be in terms of deciding your health care. It should be you and your doctor, and y'all decide what you're going to do. And the insurance should be for catastrophic stuff. I don't file a claim with my car insurance company when I have an oil change. I should not have to go through my insurance company just to go to the doctor for a checkup. Hey, I'm feeling a little woozy today. I'm thinking, listen, listen. <clears throat> that's that's the stuff that should just be, you know, just go to the doctor, pay the pay the pay for the visit, which is outrageously expensive because one, Medicare, government guarantees it's going to go. So hey, we can charge more, and insurance companies are involved. You get these third party payers, and the cost goes up because. I'm not the customer. I'm I'm part of the product. And it shouldn't be that way. Anyway, so the so the unions are negotiating for that stuff. You've got the producers guild that's that's trying to negotiate for that in addition to profit participation, which basically says I helped put this mo- I helped put this movie together. I should get some more uh, some more money on the back end. Points is what they call it. Profit participation. So if there's profit if the project makes money, Hollywood advertising notwithstanding, or, or Hollywood accounting rather, if it makes money, then I should get a piece of that. There should be residuals, royalties, that sort of thing. And we see this in other industries as well. The comic book industry is the same way. If you have, a, if you have work that you do on a comic book, and the comic book sells above a particular threshold of number of copies sold then the profit participation kicks in and you start to get royalties off of that book in addition to what you got paid to actually do the work, whether it's writing it or art or ink or colors or letters or anything like that. So you get one piece for actually doing the work. You get another piece if it sells really well and it keeps selling. That's the kind of thing the Producers Guild is looking at trying to do here. Then you've got the Directors Guild trying to make some kind of a deal. <clears throat> and you've got the Writers Guild also trying to make a deal. Now, if you can imagine, what would happen if the Directors Guild and the Writers Guild and the Producers Guild, all three, fail to make a deal with the Hollywood industry, with the studios? Can you imagine what would happen? Hollywood would shut down at a time when the theater companies, AMC, Cinemark, Regal, Cineworld, all those groups, when they're sitting there saying, we need at least 100 movies in the theaters this year in order to survive. We're at an inflection point here where if the unions can't make a deal with the studios, 
then, then the work stops. There might be a little bit on the fringe stuff that's already in production, but it wouldn't be able to change. That's one of the things that happened as an impact of the writer's, the writer's strike back in, back in the early aughts is this is the script we have. Nobody can make any changes on it because all the writers are on strike and we're not allowed to do any more writing on it. So this is what we're stuck with. But if the Writers Guild goes on strike and the Directors Guild goes on strike and the Producers Guild goes on strike and if the Editors Guild can't make a deal with Saturday Night Live or with anybody else for that matter, then Hollywood shuts down. This was a concern. This, this, is, this kind of thing has come up before in terms of residuals because back in, uh, I'd say early odds, when we're talking about the web series stuff, <coughs> The Writers Guild, and this is one that I had... Well, I mean, you also have the Screen Actors Guild in the middle of all of this, too. Now, I haven't heard anything about Screen Actors Guild doing any negotiating right now, but that could be coming. But back when web series were becoming a thing, the, the Screen Actors Guild especially, but I think the Writers Guild had to look at this, too, because they didn't have a contract for this kind of work. Every type of production has its own specific kind of contract. So if I'm going to make a feature film, and the way the contracts work, the feature film is defined as a certain number of minutes, finished minutes. If this thing is going to be 90 minutes at X and so budget, then you pay this actor X and so dollars. It's all proportional. If you're going to do a TV show, if it's a guest appearance, if it's a lead role, if it's a recurring role, if it's if it's you know a walk-on part, all all of these different levels of participation, if, depending on what kind of work you're doing, you get paid commensurate with that. And when web series started to happen, the right the 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 Screen Actors Guild was like, well, what do we do? Because <coughs> we don't have a contract for that. And eventually they did. They said, okay, well, if it's going to be X and so minutes, if it's going to be online, if it's going to be do this, then, it's, then it, you pay the actors. This is the minimum you pay a union actor for this kind of work. And I think we're going through the same kind of thing now because there's a lot of talk about residuals and profit participation off of the streaming shows because that model has never existed before. And we saw this with the lawsuit from Scarlett Johansson against Disney. How do, how do I make money if you cut my theatrical run short and you short-circuit the number of bonuses that I could get because my contract calls for certain bonuses at certain levels of performance? If the, if the, if the, the movie makes X and so money, I get Z percentage. But if you take it out of the theaters before I can make that money and you could stick it over here on streaming where nobody's making any money, then what does that do? That that short changes me and it cheats me out of whatever it is potential that I had to make on the back end of the movie when it was in the theaters. So that's what's going on now is a lot of these discussions about well, what do we do with the streaming ecosphere in terms of money that's made. And we're learning that streaming doesn't make any money. And that's a problem. 
But you also have all of this work that's being done, and people are getting paid for it. But is that a reasonable amount of compensation for the amount of work that's being done? That's the other question. Yeah, Dave, uh, most states' tax incentive programs for attracting film productions to their states are focusing on TV and streaming series over feature films. Yeah, and and that whole thing with the tax incentive programs, that's that's a that's a that's a whole nother topic as far as how all of that works because people people on the outside of the industry when they hear about the tax incentive programs that states are setting up for film productions they don't have a clue how it actually works and they really don't want to spend the time to sit and listen to anybody explain how it works because it's not really a tax cut. It's not really a tax break. It's a rebate. And I, I could, I could go for an hour on that just by itself, but I'm not going to, but the tax incentives program, that's, that's another beast. And, as we've seen, uh, I think Iowa was the latest one here a few years ago. There is uh, there's quite a bit of potential for fraud in those in those programs. So you have to be careful. So, and and the politicians don't get it. They don't understand any of it at all. Even even if you sit down and take them through spreadsheets and numbers and math and here's all this and here's all that and here's that, and it, it, they, they just completely zone out. Politicians don't get it at all. And you're you're beating your head against the wall trying to explain all this stuff to people who just don't understand and don't want to understand. Because how does this get me reelected? That's all they that's all they understand. That's all they under that, that's all they care about. How does this get me reelected? But if the if the if the unions all go on strike and Hollywood shuts down, there's an opportunity here. And I think that even if they don't strike, the possibility of a strike still presents an opportunity because all of us out here in the alternative media space, we're creating things. We're making stuff. Culture Casino talks about this, this new Batman fan film called Gordon. We're making stuff. Mark Zickery's got his uh, his Space Command series out there. We've got all sorts of fan films that are out there. A lot of people doing independent stuff. Stuff that is not dependent upon the Hollywood machine. It's not dependent on the unions and the labor guilds and, and that sort of thing. Make your own stuff. We become the new culture zeitgeist. We become the next thing, the next Flash Gordon, the next Buck Rogers, the next Star Wars, the next Star Trek, the next Doctor Who, the next Harry Potter. That's going to come from us. That's going to come from out here somewhere. And it's not just fiction and original stories like that. 
historical pieces, documentaries. I mean, you look at the, you know, the 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 despecialized editions of Star Wars that Harmy and the gang have put together over the years. You know, film history, restoration of of archival material, all all of that stuff. There's opportunity all over the place for us to do that and to be successful at it. And if you have a creative bone in your body and if you have any kind of impulse and you think, well, you know, maybe I'll do something, do it. It might be a success. It might not be a success, but at least you did it. I remember when I made a short film and it's out there on my on my production, my production company's YouTube channel. I made a movie called Vanguard Dispatch. It was a very it was a short film. A little experimental because it was basically a series of uh, a series of crew members on a scout ship recording mail, recording letters to send back home. And in the subtext of all of these letters, you had a story that gets told beneath the various different letters from the people writing home. And I remember screening it. And... I was like, yeah, it's okay. I wish people had been there to see it. I mean, people in the cast and crew were there for the screening. But I had somebody come up to me afterwards. He said, he said, the biggest piece is that you finished it and you screened it. So many people quit before they finish. So many people quit before anybody gets a chance to see what it is that you're doing finish it put it out there in front of people bad or good you get what you get but at least you finish it and it could be the beginning of something it could be the start of the next big thing maybe don't put it on tiktok though but there's plenty of places where you can put your work out there. And no, we're not going to put that one on there. We're going to remove that because, yes, I want to remove that comment because I don't need a work-from-home opportunity. Thank you very much. (coughs) If, 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 you have any creative impulses. And it could be fiction, it could be nonfiction, it could be, you know, research, documentary stuff, it could be an explainer, it could be a DIY, it could be a how-to, it could be it, anything. Do it. Create something. Hollywood is bankrupt at this point. Creatively bankrupt. <clears throat> Cam said, I had this idea for a website where people could have their own TV channel that was in 2000. <laughs> you could still do it. You could still do it. And I've, I've thought about it. And I've had, had conversations. I mean, you look at what Pops Van Zant is doing over there and, and Critical Blast. There, there are people that are doing, we're doing simulcasts. We're doing uh, shared programming. Uh, I haven't I haven't done any of that yet, but I'm doing simulcasts with Critical Blast every now and again, where we do Blast from the Bunker, and it goes out to my channels, and it goes out to RJ's channels. Pops Van Zandt is doing the same kind of thing. They're they're rerunning 
other people's product programs, uh, Chuck Dixon's stuff, for example, is on Chuck Dixon's channel, but it's also running on Critical Blast. It's running on Pops Van Zant, and you you expand your audience that way. It might not make you any money, but it builds your audience, and 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 at that point, the audience comes to you. Yeah, exactly. It's syndication, <clears throat> and if you can figure out. If you can figure out a model that gets you money on syndicating your stuff throughout the YouTube ecosphere, tell me. Because you get onto these monetized channels, and if your channel is monetized, then it could keep me. You got to figure out a way that you can take it. You can advance, take advantage of the networking opportunities. I say, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do Good Morning Multiverse every Saturday morning, well, let's say I take that show and I give it to RJ and he reruns it over on Critical Blast. Well, that's fine. His his channel is monetized. I don't see any any reward from that other than its exposure and other people get to see my show. In which case, at the end of that show or somewhere in the midst of that show, there should be a link to our, to my channel and vice versa. If if I get something from RJ, and if I start rerunning one of his shows on my channel, then I should provide a link to his channel. Hey, you want to see more? Go over here to this channel. And we help each other out that way. Who knows what could happen? And I don't know if you could do that over on Odyssey or Rumble or, or any of those channels or, or not, but you might could. And Odyssey has got a very nice set up in terms of tips and, and financial support. If you want to send us money, all you got to do is click a button and send us money. <coughs> and I don't think they keep very much of it. I think they do a, like a processing fee and that's it. Whereas YouTube keeps 55% of everything, ad revenue, super chats, all of that stuff. And by the way, we do have memberships on Odyssey and YouTube. If you want to be a member, you can be a member. Every little bit helps. I'm not knocking the YouTube monetization because it's money. It pretty much covers our our cost of, of website hosting services. So it's something. And eventually we get up to 22, 23,000 subscribers, 24 million subscribers, whatever we end up doing, you know, that adds up. Right now we're sitting at 2275 over on YouTube, by the way. It would be nice to get that to 2300 by Thursday because Thursday is our 14th anniversary. <coughs> and, you know, you have also the Subscribestar account. You could, you, could, you could support us that way if you want. Nobody's under any obligation. I mean, you don't even have to subscribe to the channel. We follow a set schedule, so it's, you know, appointment television. You know, at 1 o'clock East, Eastern every day, we got a show. So, <clears throat> so come back tomorrow. And also, while well, I'm here, let me show you. This is the lineup for our shows. We have all of these different shows that are available all the time on this channel. And it's all brand new, original programming. You could find it. 
here and on Rumble and on uh, on Odyssey and uh, whatever whatever video platform you want to use. Now, coming up tonight at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, the H2O Podcast. Mr. Harvey and I will have a conversation about something. Don't know what. This show, of course, five days a week, Monday through Open Line Friday. Tomorrow, Paul DeGarabedian will be on to talk about what's happening with uh, Shazam. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Victoria Alonso getting fired from Disney, uh, but also some of the other stuff that's been happening with uh, with some of the layoffs and some different things happening there. The theaters sitting there going, we need product. And then on Thursday, Cameron Pasha will be back to talk specifically about what's going on at Disney, not just Victoria Alonso getting fired, but all of these, you know, these 4,000 jobs that are getting ready to go away, as well as the stuff that's happening in Lucasfilm, and there is a lot of stuff happening at Lucasfilm, and it is some very interesting stuff. And by the way, if you have not followed uh, Cameron over on Patreon, he's got some interesting things uh, that his insiders, his spies, are reporting to him. So we're going to talk about that on Thursday. All right, that's it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Don't forget, we're on all these different social media channels, video channels, Discord. There's a newsletter, and I need to eventually, one of these days, get a get a newsletter out again. And the subscribe star, if you want to do that as well. Send me an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com, and uh, let me know uh, topics that you would like for us to cover, guests to invite. We've got uh, various different people on the books for the next couple of weeks. We've got Tony Weisskopf and Dave Butler and... Um, Mike Rothman and Darcy Donovan. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, crypto stuff. We need to talk Diablo 4, Cam says. All right, we will talk Diablo 4. Uh, we can do that over on the Discord in the meantime. So check that out. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Remember, folks, just a, a couple of things. The government hates you. Politicians hate you. The media lies to you. But God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 